1: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. and this is Anthony. And this is episode 448 Trick, not Treat, Taking Games. Happy Halloween, everyone. And we'd like to thank our Patreon backers, especially our new producer, Carrie. Thanks, my friend. You rock. All right, everyone. Welcome to a new episode, and an episode which, again, we're celebrating the happy Halloween, and nothing's better th- when it comes to Halloween than board games, right? That's typically the thing that, right?
0: That's what I think. Uh-huh, my so- daughter, my daughter though, made us. Uh, well, not she didn't make me; she encouraged me to make uh, cobweb-shaped waffles oh. and a pumpkin cake for nice. dinner. Uh-huh. So we had a We had a nice Halloween-themed dinner, uh, and then of course trick or treating and whatever party we we're supposed to take I don't know. She's she's a big Halloween kid. So, excellent. I don't think board games are on her radar yet, but I'm getting her there. Hey, (laughs) all this costume stuff is fun and all, but instead of playing soccer in a skeleton costume, maybe we stay home and play Skull
1: King? Oh, spoilers. I mean, you should just take her to the house that gives out board games. I'm giving out cards. (laughs) Are you really? Yeah, they have those little Halloween packs
0: of Pokemon cards. Oh, that's excellent. I tracked them down at Target. That's what we're giving out this year.
1: Nice. I think Munchkin did that one year, like a couple years back, they had Halloween giveaway packs too. Oh, I love that. So smart.
0: I think think a lot of kids would be like, just give me the candy,
1: but I don't don't care. I'm going to be the cool house. I don't know. I feel, I mean, if I think back about all of the Halloweens that I trick or treated as a kid, the ones that are most memorable is, is not the candy. It was always like the oddity. It was like comic books or a can of soda way back in the day, you know, or like yeah, yeah. just, or like the toys, like every once in a while you get a, a, something that like s- someone was like, here, here's a toy thing. And you're like, Oh, I got a toy, you know,
0: and I it's, got a, I got a plastic pirate sword. Oh, my house once when I was six years old, I had that for like five years until it broke. <laughs> and I took it with me trick or treating like two or three times. That's and great. it didn't matter what I was dressed as. I was like this year. I'm Ken Griffey jr. With a pirate sword. There you go. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: excellent yeah no it makes a lot of sense it's a great holiday especially for the kids obviously over the time they've shrunk the candy bars which is cruel and unusual you know treatment for children uh fun time fun size stuff is not really fun i don't know No. no so if you happen to have some extra games lying around drop one in a kid's bag and just blow their mind and just like And like, like, like Anthony just said, like you will just be immortalized in that child adult mind forever. Like, I I think you
0: imagine like a little seven year old just lugging around a copy of Ticket to Ride, (laughs) like this is my (laughs) Halloween game. It goes with me everywhere.
1: Yeah, I think you have to worry about like what happens after you drop that game, like how many more kids you get, or the parent going seriously seriously ticket a ride <laughs> seriously like yeah he's seven and you're like that's eh, fine it's fine he'll he'll get used to it he's fine
0: yeah i've gotten that look before at birthday parties when you get like because the kid doesn't give the other kid a game i give that kid a game <laughs> or my wife does sure. and so we'll get them a game and then the parents look at you like i have to play this now you're like, uh-huh. like i have to learn it and play it with my kids i'm like yeah you're welcome <laughs>
1: <Anyway>. <laughs> you just gave me an activity thanks Fun. Like, we don't have enough things to do. But yeah, no, I think you certainly should make it a memorable Halloween for everybody out there. And a lot of us out there will get board games to the table. So if you're having a great Halloween party, you already have those episodes from us. We've done those episodes, right, Anthony? Yeah, we have. A lot of those Uh, episodes.
0: Every year we think of something. So there must be like eight or nine of them.
1: (laughs) But this year, even better than the Halloween games, is the best part of Halloween. It's not the treats, it's the tricks. That you play on each other. And again, of course, trick taking games, right? Because, like, heck yeah. If you're having a Halloween party, say, we're playing trick taking games. And they're like, oh, that is so cool. I'm like, yes, yes, we did.
0: And, and you know what? Like, four of these could be also Halloween games. Yes. So,
1: you know, but we're not far off. No. And again, trick taking games are an excellent, excellent game to play with like non gamers or gateway gamers. Mm-hmm. Because they probably know some of the very basic concepts, and they're also very easy to teach. So this will be an excellent list of, and I think, fairly inexpensive games to pick up and get to the table. Yeah, yeah.
0: Most of these are in print, uh, and if they're not, they are soon to be, and they're all, like, less than 20 bucks. Yeah. Except, like, a couple of weird outliers that shouldn't cost that much.
1: So give tricks, not treats, this Halloween. That's what we're saying. Heck, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my lawyer says we can't say that, Anthony. Ah, okay. Yeah, (laughs) Give trick-taking games. There you go.
0: We're not allowed to be clever because people might take it the wrong way. Come on.
1: Look, we got the lawyers for a reason, right? (laughs) And it's a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) Because you almost got us in trouble. (laughs) That's true. It's not the first time that's happened. So uh, our our staff is listening and waiting by and throwing some flags. So we're cool. So that's what's going to be our feature of you. So stick with us because, again, whether you're a big fan of trick taking games or never heard of the thing, I think Anthony has an excellent list because he was a convert at some point. He became a trick taking legend. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, I, the first like two or three trick taking games I played, I hated. So I thought it was a terrible genre of games. <laughs> Turns out those were terrible games. Um, there's a lot of really good ones.
1: So I was, talk about that. I was very, very close to putting Chronicle on this list, Anthony. And then I was like,
0: I, I would have burned like... it all down. We would have. Just... <laughs> I would have just like logged off when we got there. Like, and Anthony's off the podcast. Okay. If you want (laughs) to see shit on your own.
1: (laughs) There's no more disappointed man on the planet when he's playing a board game than Anthony when he's playing Chronicle. And like on his turn, he can't do anything at all. Nothing. And you just look at him, he's like, looks at the hand, just like gestures up and like, come on.
0: (laughs) Any honestly, any game, but that game in particular, it happened to me, and this is not a lie. I'm not making this up. We played a full game, and I didn't once get a, a meaningful action in the entire game, absolute So, I'm like, be what are people. we doing? <laughs> Why does this exist? I hate this.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, good times. All right, so we'll, we'll be tricking a little bit later. But Anthony, there's a lot of stuff that's going on out there in the board game industry, tabletop. I guess one of the little things I wanted to talk about that was a an announcement, but again, it's one of many announcements that Magic: The Gathering. I guess I guess they decided that they're going to take the the amazing magic that Richard Garfield had put together and just blow it out with every IP possible. And this time there's a new one.
0: Yeah, they just keep bringing out new stuff. I don't know. And it's like two years off, isn't it? Yeah. I think yeah, this is, I don't
1: think this is for shareholders. <laughs>
0: Oh, right. I forgot that's what they're doing. They're trying to make money all the yeah, time. Yeah,
1: they're not, they're not trying to make a better game. They're just like more money. Yeah. Ugh, and they made more money. It was reported in the Financial Times that they made a, a, a bit of money, of course, with the Lord of the Rings. Uh, I think they would have made a lot more if the ring was not found so quickly. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was funny.
0: I bought a lot of those, actually. I hadn't bought Magic cards since, well, 2013, because that was before i met you Mm -hmm. my my son was very young and i was like margaret i gotta get out of the house like i've been in the house for like eight months i'm losing my mind i gotta get out of the house i'll try magic and i didn't think of board games being a thing and so i went to a couple of game nights i bought a few cards i was like oh i hate this okay (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a fan of any of this um and then thankfully i found you all and i was like oh board games are much better and they're cheaper and also you people don't Want to kill me? Yes, (laughs) for for wasting your time. Absolutely. Oh man! But anywho, new magic. After I did spend a fair amount on Lord of the Rings, we're getting Marvel stuff.
1: Oh yeah, that's not an IP I've heard a lot about.
0: Nothing. No, it's (laughs) whoa. It's not. It's not on the decline at all. so I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a good time to pick it up.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot of other stuff coming out, like the Doctor Who stuff, either just came out or is about to come out. Um. They announced Fallout is coming, mm-hmm. like the video game series. Final Fantasy themed cards are coming. Crazy. Assassin's Creed is coming. Um, this will be bigger than all of those. Yes. Uh, probably bigger than Lord of the Rings, I, I think, mm. because you're going to get a lot of kids who just see Spider-Man. the magic logo, which they roughly remember, and Spider-Man yeah. on the shelf at Target. And they're gonna be like, I need that. And yes. they're going to buy them. And they're going to be $8 a pack. And their parents seem
1: like, what the actual hell? they're gonna have to buy it so this is weird because larkana is out and disney owns marvel i'm surprised they didn't they didn't i'm surprised they're allowing this to happen i mean obviously they are they're gonna make money off of it but why not do a marvel larkana set then
0: i you know what it is though is i don't think larkana thinks it's a competitor for magic okay and it never will be like it even if it gets that big it's a different audience of people Mm -hmm. So. I don't think they care. Okay. I think they're like we could hit both at the same time, and let's hold off on the Marvel Lorcana stuff for like five years, and we'll sure. drop that in the future. I don't know. I think they're okay.
1: Um, I'm worried about Disney. This is what I'm saying. You're well, worried about Disney? Well, I, I guess I guess they're 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 selling ESPN right? That came out recently that they're dropping. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, ESPN's it, been losing them a lot of money, though, so I can yeah. see
1: that. Well, it made the money at one point, a lot of money. Yeah. Think of the, the okay. twenty ten. so now not so much for for reasons. Now, if they would right. include Magic the Gathering in ESPN, which they had done back in the day. Remember they had all those ESPN channels? I know! Yeah. <laughs> they had Magic the Gathering play on ESPN?
0: Well, get a Dune Imperium on there with Mr. Beast. Oh, yeah. Get, that
1: would probably solve the whole problem right there. So <sighs> I know. I know two broadcasters who have actually covered games in real time. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying we're pretty good at it. We're really just good saying, at it.
0: <laughs> we'll put it out there.
1: So here's what we do: just spitballing.
0: We're we're uh, workshopping uh-huh, this. Uh-huh. We'll contact uh, Mr. Beast, yeah, and then we'll contact ESPN, yeah, yeah, uh, and then we'll contact um, the head of Disney for yes. so the heck of it. Sure, sure. And you know,
1: just make it happen. Uh, step A, yeah. step
0: P, step B. Some things will happen. Step C,
1: profit, profit. Yeah, seems simple. Yeah. I don't know why anyone yeah. hasn't done that yet. I, no one's thought of it. We're done. Geniuses. Don't. T- this is not live, right? You'll uh, edit this uh, out, right?
0: Oh yeah, okay. I'm definitely gonna edit things.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So magic is becoming. I guess magic's going multiverse. I guess that's probably the the best way mm-hmm. to say it. So hold hold on, because if your uh, your fame your favorite intellectual property has not been magicified at this point. It will be because like, yeah, it's it's Fortnite, but cards. Yes, that's, that's what it is now. One hundred percent. It'll be fun in the future to figure out like which of these multiple versions actually like is the thing. I don't know if it'll implode at some point, but it's got to Right. Like at some point, like you can't support I don't everything.
0: Know. I, I feel like what happens is people buy and collect the one they like. Like I bought a bunch of Lord of the Rings cards yeah. and I'm happy with what I bought. I've organized them, I built a couple decks. It's cool. I have not bought any other Magic cards. Sure. It didn't convert me to the brand. I was just like I know I like the Magic system. I played it a bunch 20 years ago. I like Lord of the Rings and there's no good card game for that, so I'll buy this. Um uh, I know I'm not I'm not most people who need to buy everything, but
1: sure. <laughs> Well, if you would have found that one ring card, everything would have been a little different. Yeah, <laughs> well, we wouldn't be here. I'll tell you <laughs> what. <laughs> well, that's what's happening with magic. As as everyone I, I, again, your friendly local game store is just going to become more consumed by another, 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 another multiverse product of CCGs out there. So hold on, people, hold yep. your hold your table space as hard as long as you can. Heck yeah. Speaking of table space, uh, just a bit of an update. We've been talking about this for several weeks now. Uh, the big tabletop charity game event is happening in Fanwood, New Jersey. And this is an event to support troop 6,000. It's a girl scout troop of young ladies leaders that are part of the shelter system in New York city. Um, Uh, A good number of them will be coming out to Fanwood, New Jersey to game with us, to learn about tabletop gaming, uh, for us to honor them and their experience and their leaderships and their troop, and hopefully kind of get them involved in all the cool stuff that we're doing, because games are educational, fun, inspirational, and we just want to get as many people to the table as possible. So, again... Thank you all for your support. If you happen to be in the area, we would love to see you. There's going to be buying and trading and selling of games. There's a lot of donations of games where you'll be, be able to raffles. Um, and, of course, there's just a lot of games, a lot of food, a lot of fun, a lot of people. And Anthony and I will be there. Jen will be there. A whole bunch of people will be there that you've heard on the podcast before. And just a great day. So thank you again. Check out more information on boardgamersanonymous.com over in the events section. You'll see a flyer there. If you're on meetup.com, Lord Gamers New Jersey is, is kind of hosting that event. And again, we'll see you soon. Yeah, awesome. All right, Anthony, you have something for us because not only is the big charity event h- coming this Saturday, but there's another convention, surprisingly enough, happening.
0: I uh, know. This one always sneaks up on me, um, which is funny because I live here. <laughs> uh, like I literally like go by the convention center twice a week on the bus. But PAX Unplugged is coming up in a month from, like, tomorrow when you're listening to this. So we're getting psyched up. We're getting ready for this. And we've actually partnered up with PAX uh, and are giving away five badges for PAX Unplugged. So these are three-day badges. They're worth $85. bucks. Um, they have been kind enough to offer five of them for our listeners. And it's really easy to enter the contest. All you have to do is head over to the Facebook page. Um, it's also posted on Twitter. I refuse to call it X. Sorry. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Elon Musk is stupid. Um, so if you head over to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash board gamers anonymous, it is pinned there at the top and you'll see badge giveaway. Join us at PAX Unplugged. Um, click through the link that's there and you will be able to enter in a number of ways. So some of the ways you can enter are joining the discord server, um, which we've recently opened up to the public from uh Patreon backers. Um, from popular demand, from everybody involved, Um, following us on Spotify, checking out the Patreon. You do not have to give us any money. Just check it out. See what we're offering over there. Um, Subscribing to the podcast on Apple, um, visiting the YouTube page. And then, of course, if you follow PAX on any of their social media as well, they get you extra entries. So hop in there, check it out. If you are in the area or feel like traveling in a month uh, and joining us in Philadelphia, you can enter here. And then we're going to pick winners at the end of this week because they need to we need to get the badges off to you soon. So get in there by Friday. I'm going to pick winners. I'm going to send everything off on Saturday. We're going to put up the announcement and then Pax will be in touch with you probably the following week um, with information to get your badges. So uh, look forward to seeing everybody there. If you're already going to be there, make sure you check in with us and we'll connect. Uh, if if you are entering the contest, if you win the contest, especially let us know and we'll we'll hook up then as well.
1: Absolutely. And again. Pax Unplugs is great. It's just great. It's a great convention. Philadelphia is a great city. I, 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 it's I, it's hard to say, right? Like, because again, the convention is just one part of it. The city is so much a player. So Indianapolis, Columbus, Ohio, the other the other conventions we've been to up in Boston and such. Philly's great. Philly's great. You know, like the convention ends and the after hours, there's so much good stuff to do. It's it's such a good time, and the city's such a great host. So um hopefully you can all get down and again check out all the contests so we want to get you on board all right i think that's everything that's happening with us let's talk about what our friends are talking about what's our question of the week
0: all right question of the week this week is what game is sneaky in its complexity offering a lot more depth or barriers than you'd expect based on the artwork presentation or publisher so basically what games are simple at first glance but actually have a lot going on under the surface um drew over on the patreon says sprawlopolis uh 15 cards played one at a time but rapidly my brain begins to break 100 percent on board with this this is like the one i thought of when i wrote the question because i play this game all the time and every time i play it i'm like wow this is hard <laughs> like how did they make this so hard with 15 cards so yeah that's a great one if you haven't played it if you like that kind of thing definitely go for that uh Over on the Facebook page, we had a few more answers. We had Tim say Creature Comforts, which looks totally like a kid's game, um, but it's definitely more complex to play than it seems. Not difficult to play, but gateway plus. You could also say Root looks a bit more family friendly than it is. Sure. Um, Root for sure. I've had my kids ask to play that when they see it on the (laughs) shelf. I'm like, no. (laughs) Uh, Maybe, Jack. Maybe if you don't want to get super mad about it. But uh, yeah, there's a lot going on there. Um uh Larry says Santiago is a classic example of this. Can't re- really tell how good it is from the art. Um Uriel says uh that would be the definition of beyond the sun. The rules could fit on a bus ticket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you have really
0: small handwriting, but the game is deceptively deep thanks to the huge tech tree and the unique systems to control and colonize. Um that is a good one. I can teach that game in like five, ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot going on there. Of course. Uh Darren says Lord of the Rings LCG. Period. So, uh, I think any LCG kind of fits the bill. Uh, relatively simple rule set, but then they kind of unpack and d- envelop themselves um, over time. Uh, Roman gives us a nice little list here. We got Arboretum, Hanabi, The Crew, usually card games. Sure. Agreed. Yes. Kevin mentions, Hey, that's my fish. Oh. Um, looks so cute and it's easy to learn, but when you start playing, dot, dot, dot. Uh, it's like a knife fight in a telephone booth between chess and Go. <laughs> and both games have rabies. I'm like, okay, Kevin. <laughs> um, that is a good one, though, because when I bring that one into the classroom, students are like, wow, this is mean. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's fun, though, right? They're like, yeah, it's such a cute little penguin. I'm like, yeah, you're going to hate each other. Um, so so yeah, and a couple more answers here. Uh, Chris uh, Rodriguez, uh, friend of the show, we talked about this earlier, uh, mentions Root and Oath both, as well as Fort. So really anything from leader games. <laughs> like, sure. They they always go find cute artwork and then the game is just like hitting you upside the head with a two by four. So, um, yeah, lots of good stuff. I, it's a funny thing. There's a common like DNA among like these it's artwork first can kind of trick you a little bit. Sure. But then also like the form factor of the game, like smaller card games when they're really dense mm-hmm. can be surprising. I think.
1: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. There's a lot of, and I wonder about that process, because you you mentioned Root and a lot of those games and that that are based on the coin series. Mm-hmm. Like that's a gamble. Right? Cause like you said with yeah. your kids, like you mm-hmm. and your kids are two separate quadrants, audiences, and such, and like if I put this out, kids are gonna think it's for them. Adults are gonna be like, eh, I don't know, if I wanna play a thing with cute little cuddly creatures. And yeah. <laughs> it's just like I don't know. Like, it works. I, I I give them credit.
0: My daughter is still literally counting down to when she can play. Aww. Like, she has one of the stuffies. She won the art contest in their last Kickstarter there for her age group. So, like, she drew a little thing based on one of the card backs. She sent it in. They sent her a stuffy. Um. So she's she's obsessed with that whenever she sees it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. She's like, when can I play that? I'm like, eh, a couple more years. <laughs> we're getting there. You're not six anymore, but you're still not 12. So <laughs> sure. we're getting there um but yeah it, it's they're fun i think uh unless you trick somebody too bad which i have done
1: yeah i mean i think that generally happens a lot i think people do take you know judge a book by its cover which is not yeah. incredibly wrong when it comes to board games but it yeah it's a thing it's certainly yeah. a, a thing out there i i know playing small world definitely seems mm. like cute and cuddly and simple and it's a days of wonder game and you're like oh, we're wiping out other populations. Just like, <laughs> yeah, kind of. They're they're going into decline, quote unquote. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's kind of rough. I mean, I think that's the one that I often like. You can play this. And and then after a while I was like, ugh, maybe you can't play this. Yeah. <laughs> and that's even tough. some of the Target games too, like Jaws of the Lion or the, the Spirit Island version that's in Target. Like, those are still pretty tough games. Those are not you know, like, child versions of things.
0: I I always wonder about that. Like, what poor family picked up the, the Spirit Island Horizons game? Yeah. And they sat down to play that with, like, nine and ten-year-olds. I'm <laughs> like, that was not a good night. No one had fun there.
1: <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, th- again, thank you all for participating. It means a lot to us. Definitely hit us up on all the social medias. And if you can, hit us up with a review. It means a lot for the algorithm to get more gaming out there. And there's so much stuff out going out there in the world right now. Um, people could use a good time. So thanks again for getting those games out there. All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's happened to our friends out there. Let's talk about the games that we want at the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders.
0: All right. So mine is um, one of the games in the new All Play Kickstarter, and so All Play formerly BoardGameTables.com, dot com. When they run launch a Kickstarter for games, they usually have three games at a time, um, which. I get, and it seems to work for them, but then often I'm like, I don't really feel the need to buy all of them just for the sake of buying them all anymore. Mm -hmm. I was certainly there in the past, but now I'm just like, can I just get the one and give me the discount instead of, (laughs) like, wrapping up the discount in all three?
1: No. You gotta buy all three.
0: I don't want all three. (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) how it works now.
0: (laughs) uh, Yeah. But one of the three, this Uh time around, is a reprint of Through the Desert, which is a Reiner Knizia classic, which I love. And it goes into and out of print, like, every 10 minutes. So this is a game that originally came out in 1998. And it is a game where you're building caravans of camels to cross the desert. Um, And it's got some, like, go-like elements to it. You have, like, a big, wide map, and you're building your caravan. And you can enclose spaces to, like, block them off. And people have to cut each other off. And it becomes, like, incredibly cutthroat because it is essentially, like, area control, but with these lines as you move. So you're playing like four player go on a small map, which is brutal. Um, and I, I've had a lot of fun with this because it's, it's abstract. It's an abstract game. It's a, it's Brian or Um, but it does it in such a way where you always feel engaged with one another, right? Like somebody takes an action and you know, you're three people away. You're like, Oh my gosh, if you both do this next thing, I'm so ugh. right. Like you, positioning yourself and maneuvering and trying not to let other people know what direction you're moving and how you're moving. It's so difficult and it's so fun when it works. So I love this game. I have a copy of the Z-Man Euro Classics edition, um, which was when Asmodee briefly took the licenses that Fantasy Flight was holding and gave it to Z-Man and then they stopped doing that. So mine's out of print now too. Um, and it's, it's pretty. It's a perfectly pretty version of the game. Um, but this one is even nicer, right? So you get this beautiful, like dark desert sky artwork. Uh, lots of great little miniature camels with riders on them um, and it comes with an expansion the bizarre expansion with four different modules uh I don't know if this existed before I don't have it I don't think mm-hmm. with my version um I always like the game as is I don't know that I would play with the expansions but it it's always cool to have more stuff right uh and yeah I like it's just a very tight game every action you take is super important there's no like build up or, or any of that you're just you get in there and you're co- immediately engaging with one another so if you've never played through the desert or if you have and didn't know it was back in print uh check this one out because it's one of those like old school classics from like 25 literally 25 years ago <laughs> that holds up really well um i haven't played it in like a year or two but i did play it plenty um amongst all of our other big heavy games and it is a good one it's one of Rainier Knetia's better games in my opinion Mm. and i'm glad it's finally coming back i don't know anything about the other two i didn't really look into them i'm not interested um and if you look at their backer count it's 115 for one of them 75 for the other and 595 for through the desert (laughs) Uh, yeah that said there's 1100 people getting all three so sure it is what it is right you get all these all the discounts um but well worth checking out and it's like 39 bucks which is super good like this is this is a game that another company could have easily picked up and sold for 60 or 70. And I would have said that's dumb, but they would have done it and people would have bought it. So 39 is amazing.
1: I think I think I played this I think back in the really? day. Yeah, oh, no, I I remember it, it, having looked at the board here. Now, obviously, this is a super upgraded version. There's, yeah. there's a lot of plastic here and it looks really nice. They did a really good job here. So I appreciate like they went all out. Like you mentioned the price point here. Yeah. Um, Reiner Canizzi is just, he's known for his, I mean, the guy's a genius on all levels, but his games are abstract as all get out. And historically his games have been, I won't say bland, but yeah. as, as, They're abstract as, as, as yeah, but even abstract, I mean, I think he gets his, the art and the art design production, I think his abstracts are at a whole different level of just mute. I think that's yeah. probably because, uh, uh, you know, you look at a an- runner, can you see again? Like, oh, OK, I know what that is. This production's next level. I yeah. mean, it's great. Just
0: I mean, it seems to be the the thing now. Like we got Amon Ray, we got raw like those both got huge, massive, just some of the prettiest games I own now are those two games. Sure. Um. Now we get through the desert. So like. They're all coming back. We're getting them. <laughs> like, they're all getting that Kickstarter treatment. And if they're cheap like this, like I'm all about it. Like if you wanted a hundred bucks for this game, I would say no. Go away. Uh, but thirty nine, I'm actually tempted, even though I already have a copy. Sure.
1: All right. Yeah, no, something to check out. And on the next episode of our Patreon back, kick in the habit, I will talk about that game and the others as well. Cool. And try not to back it. I will try. I will try. <laughs> try. Please. Sorry, I, I I at
0: least have one copy. No matter what, all right, there I already, you go. Already have one.
1: Well, again, trying not to buy games. This is a game that I I hovered and uh, hovered around for quite some time because again, it's we just talked about this. It's cute and adorable as all get out. Like I I I think right now, as far as what's coming out now, it's the cutest, most adorable game. It's been out before. It's keep the heroes out boss battles it's currently on kickstarter make your dungeon toasty and the heroes extra crispy in this cooperative dungeon defense game this has been out previously for the base set it did not back it because again money and that's the only reason and since then i at i started at gen con and i was like oh it's here Oh my God. It, it's as adorable as all get out. Like all the different monstrous creatures are a little bit adorable. I don't know. Chibi kind of things. It's like, it's like kind of root creatures as far as like the art style on the wooden meatballs. The thing I couldn't wrap my brain around because I, I read a lot of reviews, watched some videos and it says like, it kind of overstays its welcome. It's just kind of too long from a co-op. It's kind of random. And then I keep looking at the cute little critters and I'm like, but they're cute and they're critters. And I want to play the I want to play the imps or the the red dragon or the slimes because it's awesome. So I am constantly fighting not packing this because I know everyone has said across the board too long, too random, but it looks awesome. Uh this time they add boss battles, of course. It's the expansion that goes along with this. So not only are you setting up traps and having your characters mess with the heroes as they come in, now you're also dealing with a particular boss monster and trying to defeat the boss monster but also trying to recruit the boss monster to your side um it looks cool it's just it's it's a looker let's just say it's a looker everything the <laughs> artwork the tiles uh it's a good price they did have a you know one of those kind of early bird kind of things which i just i'm never i'm not a fan. <laughs> Just not a fan. Yeah. Because I always feel bad of like, oh, if I don't back it, you know, within this twenty-four hour or forty-eight hour, seventy two hour period, I'm not gonna get the thing and like that that doesn't feel good when it comes to a game that you have not played. Cause you do want to take some time to figure out if it's something that you want to do. Uh you could pick the base game up online or at the store. Uh this has more of more things. I don't know if more things are better, but they look better. So that's the problem with Kickstarter. It looks better. So yeah, check it out. It's uh, keep the heroes out. Boss battles. Um, you can pick up the expansion for forty five bucks. The base game is still sixty dollars. Together, it's one hundred and five. One hundred five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if you want to get all of the uh, extra expansions material, unicorns, Cthulhu's, and stuff like that, then it's one hundred and eighty. And I would have to do the one eighty, and I I can't that. Uh, yeah yeah so keep the arrows out plus battles yeah i remember you
0: talking about this one before yeah. um the slimes are still cute they're cute that's all i have to say i don't know anything else about the game but the ratkin and the slimes i would just take those meeples if you I just know. sell me the meeples i would put them on the shelf and i'd be happy
1: that's true i <laughs> there should be a backer level for just the meeples because that would certainly be something i would pick up and and put into other games because like you have skeletons, you have monsters, these are classic D&D characters, so if you ran an RPG, you could use these on your board. So instead of, like, spending, like, hundreds of dollars on these wonderful painted miniatures, just little wooden meeple guys. Like, that'd be good. I mean, maybe they should look at that, you know, put together some RPG stuff, man. That's all I'm saying. I'd I'd be all about it. Yeah. Alright. Well, those are our acquisition disorders. Again, as I mentioned, I will be doing Kickin' Habit this week, where I talk about 12 Plus games give or take and try not to back them each and every week. So yeah. listen to my struggles live on Patreon as I look at the cute, adorable meeples, and dear God, try not to push the button where I pay on the stuff on the credit card for a game that I won't see for probably about two years, and then at that point, maybe it's okay. I don't know. I suffer so you can enjoy. Shot and Freud, the podcast. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's what it is, people.
0: And we've gone philosophical. So Well,
1: you know, we went plaid before, so Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's everything that we want to hit our table. Anthony, let's talk about the games that did hit our table. And one hit big. You got one upcoming review. You'll let us know if the game's a buy and you should run out and pick it up because it's a cute and adorable game. If those games are a play and you should sit down and just chill and enjoy the game, know if it's good. If those games are dodge and then you should just avoid them for many, many reasons. Or if the game happens to be a dreaded burn and you should just torch it at all costs because it's Halloween and that's what you do in Halloween so anthony what do you have for this week
0: all right uh so i want to talk about one of the hot games from gen con that we were not able to pick up because they sold out before we got there uh and that is world wonders this finally hit retail um broadly which just a reminder if people freak out at gen con it has been less than two months since gen con and this game is now available so don't go on ebay don't spend stupid money um so World Wonders is the second game from Z Mendez, who previously designed Brazil Imperial, which famously was a game we were so incredibly hyped for, for years, and it finally came out. And at least for me, it was a bit of meh, right? So I was like on the fence with this game. I love the look of it. I like, I like Civ games, and I like polyominoes. Mm-hmm. And that's this is both of those things. So I was like, ooh, World Wonders seems like a game that's perfect for me, personally. Anthony Chatfield. Um, (laughs) I know that guy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I pre-ordered it, and it showed up uh, last week, and I've had a chance to play it a few times. And I'll just say up front, I'm kind of glad I didn't pick it up at Gen Con uh, and use up the capacity in my luggage for this game. (laughs) So let me run through how it works real quick. Uh, On your turn, you have up to seven gold that you can spend. Right. And so there are different polyomino tiles ranging in size from three squares up to, I think, I don't know, eight or nine squares. And you can buy one for between two and five gold. Right. Once you hit seven gold, you are done for the round. Unless you take a loan, you can only ever have one loan and that lets you spend up to nine. A loan is worth negative two points if you don't pay it back. You can't take multiple loans, though, so I'm not really sure what the point of a loan is because everybody's going to take at least one loan in the game and then all of it comes out in the wash. It's, It's a weird mechanic. Uh, so you, you take those tiles, you place them. And when you place them, you have to place them either next to another building of the same type. They're all color coded. I don't know what they do. Cause it doesn't really matter. It's all just colors and symbols. Like nothing's really thematic here because you're not actually gaining resources or doing anything with those resources. You're just increasing production of certain things, which represent different other things. There's like food and like stone, something else. I don't remember. It doesn't actually matter. And so when you hit certain thresholds on the production levels uh, with those things like 3, 6, 9, 11, 12, 13, then your population goes up and you're trying to get your population as high as you can, because then you get extra points and the population track is a timer. So if somebody gets to the end of the population track, the game will end early. They won't necessarily win, but the game will end early because they hit the end. Uh, otherwise, the game goes for 10 rounds. Which you might be thinking, oh, 10 actions. No, not 10 actions, 10 rounds. Because in a round, you can buy as much as you're able to up to the seven gold that you have. And that could be anywhere between two and five actions, depending on what you do. Because you can buy roads, which only cost one, you can buy towers, which cost two, or you can buy one of the buildings, and you can also buy wonders. And this is the thing everybody's excited about because the wonders are these big, chunky, wonder meeples effectively, right? It comes with 20 of these things. These are actually very cool. They're amazing. And this is the reason everybody wants the game, because it's like this 3D component added to the table. Um, it reminded me of Tapestry with like all the 3D stuff in the box. and You're like, that's cool, right? And you can buy those if you hit the certain criteria. When you buy a wonder, though, that is the last action of your round, no matter how much gold you have left. So they just cost the rest of your gold. So, ideally, what you do is you say you spend up to six and you spend your last one to buy a wonder, but someone else could buy it out from under you if it's something that you're both qualified to buy. So, sometimes you might want to end your round a little early. But there's always multiple wonders to choose from, and they're not particularly hard to meet the criteria for. In any given round, after like the second or third round, I was able to meet the criteria for two pretty much every round. So, really, Almost every round of the game, you want to be getting a wonder until you get towards the end of the game and you run out of space Um, because placement requirements start getting a little tight. The wonders are worth like a point or two. Sometimes they give you production. They're not worth that much um, in the grand scheme of things. They just look cool. And some of them take up a ton of space, right? If you get the Pyramids of Giza, you're taking up like 12 blocks on on the map, which is a ton of space, and they have to meet those placement requirements. So ultimately what you're doing here over and over and over again, is you look at everything available, and you're like, I can afford that. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to place it here. Cause these are the three places I could put it. This one's best, I guess. And there's a little bit of a placement puzzle there, but it's not even that interesting. Cause you are kind of limited in where things can go. And you just keep doing that over and over and over and over again, until you've done it 10 rounds worth, or someone maxes out population. And then you look at everything and you're like, all right, who did the best at that? Right. And so you get points for, all sorts of stuff right like where your population is if you've enclosed any city blocks um all of those different uh, wonders you've built etc cetera, etc cetera. it's just dull i i it wasn't i found myself around round six in the first game we played just being like how long is this gonna go <laughs> like and just looking at the stacks of tiles i mean like oh we got like four rounds left okay and you know, it's not like everything's filling up, but there's no engine to it. There's no point to any of the resources. They could be anything. This theme could have been anything. It doesn't really matter that it's a Civ builder. Um, it's just someone had a cool idea to build these wonder meeples, and then just didn't do anything interesting with them. On top of which, it's a fifty dollar game, and if you got rid of those wonder meeples and just made them more tiles then this could have been a $30 game because there's not that much stuff in the box. I I was just deeply disappointed. And I don't... I'm not surprised, I guess. Like, when you look at it and you're like, oh, okay, they're clearly going for the wow factor. And when you go for the wow factor, maybe that's covering up the lack of actual gameplay factor, right? Um, not always, but in this case, very much so. So this is a dodge for me. Um, it's like the puzzle itself was interesting. I just wish it was i don't know a different theme or cheaper or maybe the production actually does something or maybe there's some kind of interaction with other players um the solo mode there's a deck of cards and all the deck of cards does is take things from the tableau naturally and like your score is basically against yourself at that point like you score whatever your score is and you add up what your total production is and you compare the two so that's not particularly interesting either um there is like an extra deck of cards. It adds like an extra mechanic to the game, like this kind of goal thing you're working towards. But even that's just, it just feels tacked on. Um, Kids thought it was fine. That's a thing, right? Like it it could work as a good family game. Um, But as, as, as a parent of kids who play family games and an owner of hundreds of games, I don't want to bring out a game that bores me (laughs) or (laughs) annoys me in that way. this is the kind of polyomino game that I imagine when Chris and you're like, I don't like polyomino games. And then we, I play a game like this. I'm like this you would hate because this is just that this is what you have in your head. Ooh. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not a good game and I don't get all the love for it other than like, look at these cool meeples. And there's a decent puzzle here. Play tiny towns. That's a better game. Mm-hmm. And it's like half the price. Like go get that game <laughs> like, it has a bunch of expansions. And it's cute. Um, just, And maybe, again, maybe it's like the disappointment that they just wasted these meeples. Yeah, Maybe I'll take them out of the box and put them on the shelf. Just throw the rest out. I don't know. (laughs) It's it's not that bad. It's not a burn. I don't hate it, hate it. If the kids wanted to play again, I would definitely play with them. I just... There's a deep amount of disappointment here, and I just... They could have done so much cool with this. They could have added layers to it. They could have made decisions more impactful and interesting, and they're just not interesting. And it drags on and on. So there you have it folks world wonders that's a solid dodge a low dodge um one of my more disappointing games of the year for sure
1: yeah no this was this was hyped up to the nth degree and again anytime you have a civ game civ games are hot i mean that's i think more than anything else that's somewhat of the grail kind of situation you know because like as hero gamers you know like you take a resource and you trade a resource or you, you move a thing on a, on an Island or a boat or a river or whatever it happens to be. But as a Euro gamer, like the ultimate form of Euro gamer kind of mechanics typically is a Civ game, right? Like yeah. it's multiple different actions. It's exploring, it's developing, it's building up your civilization. You get to see something physically instead of like what becomes gold and gold becomes. Yeah. So none of that. No. And, like you said, I mean, I think sometimes they get seduced just like we do about, like, really pretty meeple pieces on the board. And then it's just nothing more than that. And we've seen a number of games like that, I think, over the last year or two, Anthony, where we went to the conventions. And we're like, oh, that's really cool. Can you explain the game? And, like, like blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, that is literally the lightest thing I've ever seen ever. But really cool pieces. Thank you. I'll be out in the back. Like, it's just it's
0: it's honestly and who knows how this was developed but i look at this and i'm like someone jotted down some basic math on a piece of paper they're sure. like what kind of theme would this work with i'm like i don't know civ stuff oh my gosh we can make giant meeples yeah like like i feel like that's the the flow here shame there's just no economy to it yeah like you're buying things and placing them that give you production and you're not actually you have the same amount of money every turn it doesn't matter and not the production doesn't do anything and you can't lose it so like what's the point of any of those mechanics they don't do anything yeah and maybe this is just the jaded gamer in me being like there's a million games that use this basic idea better but that's what we're here for is to review games in that context yeah so there you go um like i said my kids didn't hate it sure i'm not they're not reviewing it i am but i think they would both say it's a play
1: yeah
0: um so again i think it's a good family game but it's not really how it's
1: being pitched, sure. and it's not what it costs. So, and there's a lot of other games that fit that are almost identical to this.
0: I would play Tiny Towns over this a hundred, and it's not even the same as Tiny Towns. It just like it has like that similar vibe. It scratches the itch that sure. this game thinks it's scratching. So I would just rather play that. Yeah, uh,
1: that's a shame. All right, well, Anthony, let's do it. Let's get onto our feature review. So for this week, it's Halloween. So of course, we are trick or treating emphasis on the trick not so much on the treat but these trick games are treats so i don't know (laughs) pun intended i guess (laughs) yeah all right so pun away man it's halloween yeah there you go (laughs) so hopefully your halloween is going well by the time you listen to this episode i think it comes out on halloween so happy halloween to everyone out there hopefully you're enjoying some amazing snacks some frightful haunts and some great costumes and of course some great games so we got together a great collection, I would say in some some circles, the definitive collection of trick-taking games, if I do say so myself. And we want you to have the most fun during the Halloween season. And these games, I, I like to say, like more than anything else. Like if one of these games lands for you, you got a friend for life. This goes in your pocket. This goes in your car. This goes in your bag. Infinitely playable with so many different groups and portable as all get out because typically they are a deck of cards more or less yeah
0: yeah that, that's the fun thing it is a deck of cards it often uses suits and formats that you're familiar with yes uh it like you can show somebody a trick-taking game and it's not immediately 100 percent foreign to them yeah because everybody's seen a deck of cards
1: yeah and people i i know growing up like i played spades i played hearts and this is not a far jump from any of those kind of games Mm-hmm. so anthony we have a quite a good list why don't you start us off with something
0: all right top of the list is we've got the crew mission deep sea Ooh. um you could also throw in just a uh, quest for planet nine but i think it's pretty much universally agreed upon now that mission deep sea is the better version
1: of this game i do believe the council uh, has spoken on that so yes council has spoken uh-huh. yeah so
0: sorry folks can, it just is what it is. Can you redeem your
1: quest for Planet Nine for a Mission Deep Sea with the publisher? Uh, no. Oh. No, you have to buy both. Oh. Ouch. I know. Why? I what? what? <laughs> How did that production meeting go, go, go at, at that business? We're like, hey, you know that game? It's better now. And you're like, uh-oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll sell both. You won't sell both. You'll sell one. <laughs> the other one will not be sold anymore. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, standalone expansion guys not replacements that's right come on we talked about this (laughs) uh so this is a cooperative game you have missions that are set out everybody has to try to accomplish the mission and the missions can be i mean it could be anything but it could be like you need to get the nine triangle first and then the seven circle second right and so everybody has to do like cooperatively quietly figure out how to do that based on the cards you have and the cards that other people might have and what people end up playing and you just It's a deduction game. You're trying to deduce what makes sense to play and when it makes sense to play it. And if you don't think about that, you're going to lose. The crew is a lot of fun, uh, and Mission Deep Sea just elevates it in a bunch of different ways. if you want a cooperative trick-taking game, if you know trick-taking games well, or even moderately okay, um, and you want something cooperative, this is the game to pick.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's hard to say that there's a better game as far as a co-op trick-take. I think they kind of mastered it, especially how you can play different levels. You can kind of play to the skill level of the players at the table, which is really nice.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You could play as simple as you want or super complicated, which is great. All right. uh, Next up we have Skull King. This is my kid's favorite trick-taking game. Yeah. (laughs) It's spooky skulls. Actually, it's pirates. Uh, So this is a trick-taking game in which you will bid on how many tricks you think you're going to win uh each round you increase the number of cards in your hand so the first round of the game you have one card and you bid zero or one right uh and it's based on almost no information it's almost random unless you have like one of the most powerful cards like the skull king itself or a pirate you just like i don't know am i going first okay then i bid zero right um but once you get up to like five six seven and it goes up to ten cards it gets a lot more interesting because you have to like think about like okay I have two pirates. That's half the pirates in the deck. What are the odds that other people have two pirates also? Well, less than again, it's like a bit of a deduction game to it, but the game throws in just enough randomness that it can get messed up, which I think in a game like this, you need. So Skull King is like, it was the go-to game in my game group back in Pittsburgh for like end of the night, just goofing around, having fun, laughing. Um, My kids really enjoy it as well. We played it while camping a couple of years ago and they fell in love. So it's, probably my first or second favorite trick-taking game and definitely my most played
1: yeah i enjoyed this i I was surprised i'm not the biggest fan of the kind of pirate theme here and again that kind of increasing challenge is always a little bit scary at first but the gameplay Mm -hmm. is really nice and i've been surprised by the number of different people who've said hey you want to play skull king i was like you you play skull king like (laughs) i i thought this was kind of like an inner circle hardcore board game kind of thing, but no people, people are picking out there in the real world. Yeah. All right.
0: Next up we have cat in the box deluxe edition. Uh, so cat in the box is a game that came out originally in Japan only in 2020 um, from designer Yokuchi, uh who has designed a bunch of tricky picking games, including yokai septet, which is not on our list, but I did want to shout it out because it is an amazing game. Um, The trick with Yokai Septet is that it requires a very specific player count. You either play with three people or four people, and you really want four people. because It's a team-based game. So it's a little harder to get to the table, but very, very good. Um, Cat in the Box is a game in which you have kind of this paradox system, where as you play tricks, you place tokens down in this board, and it makes it so certain things can't be done in the future. The cards themselves do not have colors or suits or anything. You are choosing them as you play them. So those get marked off. And eventually you have the risk of creating a paradox where nothing can be played, regardless of what's in your hand. It's such a cool, interesting idea that turns trick taking kind of upside down. Um, And honestly, it takes a couple plays with the game, even if you know the genre really well, to wrap your head around what exactly is happening. So it's really cute. It's a lot of fun. You get this awesome, big eyed black cat on the cover. Um they had a Kickstarter recently, the Colossal Cat in the Box, which did add some new mechanics and other things and different ways to play it. Yeah. And also you got a big giant cat. That that was the key so. point of there. A black cat, yeah. a
1: black cat Halloween adjacent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is a Halloween game. Um one of one of the more interesting, clever spins on trick taking that's hit the US. Yeah. There are some really weird, interesting takes on trick taking that are still Japan only. Um, but this is one of the better ones that's made its way over.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. And it really, that whole concept of trick taking is like your suit color or number, and like you burn that into your brain as you play the game. And this game's like, but what if that wasn't a thing? And you're like, right. Well, then it's not a trick taking game. I'm like, no, it's a trick taking game. And you're like, but is it? And it kind of is. <laughs> it's got some
0: other things yeah. to it, but it kind of is. No, it is. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, it's so different. Like, it changes so much.
1: And it adds a lot of flexibility. So if if you kind of don't like feeling stuck with the hand that you've been given, this allows some additional flexibility and tactics that goes along with the game. So you feel at least that you can kind of get a good play out, whether it's it's the betting element to it or the you know, the placement on the board, it adds a lot more. And it's not cumbersome at any point. And it's still a small box game. Yeah,
0: absolutely. All right. uh, Next up, we've got the Fox in the Forest duet. This is the other cooperative one on the list. Uh, So Fox in the Forest originally came out in 2017, and that was a two-player trick-taking game, but it's competitive. And then in 2020, they said, why don't we make a cooperative version? And it's even better. I know. So so you are playing back and forth, cooperative trick-taking, just two players, two-player only. And you're trying to move your foxes back and forth across this little tiny map to clear out different elements, right? So you have to go a certain amount of spaces in different directions. And so at any given point, you can see how far you need to go and where you need to go. And you kind of like silently communicate with each other to figure that out. The cards all have special powers and different suits and stuff. Um, Very clever, very creative, very fun. And uh, one of the better games with communication limits that I've played where you don't feel like you need to cheat when you're talking to each other to win the game. You can legit try to figure it out just by deducing what's going on at the board.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of fun too. And again, the artwork is outstanding. It's a small tiny box. that doesn't take up space and it's charming as all get out. And again, Mm -hmm. like the duet kind of play style, as far as a co-op is concerned, small table, you know, table presence. So you can kind of fit this everywhere. And yeah, I just love it. I, you, we played this, you had it, and I bought both of them. That's how much I love oh, it. Yeah. Very nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love this game. Uh, next up, we have Diamonds. This is uh, the Mike Fitzgerald game um, from, I, I don't know who prints it now, but it was Stronghold game. Uh, and in the game, you have the classic suits, diamonds, hearts, clubs, and spades. And each of them represents a different action. So you can take diamonds. There's little tokens on the board. And you can put them in front of your vault. You can put them in your vault. You can steal them from other people. If they're in front of their vault, you can take them from in the vault and in front of the vault and put them in the vault. Um, So it's really just like manipulating the diamonds around the table and you're trying to get the most diamonds to win the game. So the tricks that you win are important because they let you do stuff. But ultimately, you're just trying to have the most diamonds. The thing I really love about this game is every action matters. Mm -hmm you don't have turns where like, I lost the trick. Oh, well, <laughs> you still get to do something based on the suit that you played it and how the, how the game actually plays out. So I love that mechanic. Uh, I think it's really cleverly done. There is a second edition that was released in 2014, I think, um, that kind of refined a little bit around the game, but this is still one of my favorite trick taking games. I think there's other ones that are more interesting in a lot of ways, but this one's still, this was like the first one where I was like, oh, you can make a game like this where everybody gets to do stuff. I love this.
1: Now, this is a lot of fun, too. And I remember when this hit, it was big. This is a stronghold, I think, if I remember correctly, back in the day. Yep. And it's a lot of fun, too, because you have this little cardboard, uh, you know, it's a shield, but it's supposed to be like a bank. And banking the little diamonds. It's just a heck of a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it that's the whole goal of the game, which is great. Um, all right. Next up we have Dwarf King.
1: Ooh. This is
0: Bruno Fiduti's take on trick taking. Um, one of his anyways. Came out in twenty eleven, mm-hmm. a little bit older. And it's it's a fun, like thematic take on trick taking too. Like all the suits represent different elements of kind of this fantasy world. Um, like when you deal out the cards, you're gonna have dwarves, goblins, and knights. Mm-hmm. Uh the three different suits. There's also contract tiles that are mixed in. That you're trying to accomplish and you play this over seven rounds so you're like engaging with the theme a lot more than you do in like a normal trick-taking game which often the trick-taking games don't really have a theme they're just like whatever mechanic twists that they've thrown in there this one it, you know you there's a the dwarf king and you're trying to figure out these different things you're trying <laughs> to deal with um whatever problems have popped up so uh basic basic mechanics hold true there's no trump card or anything but then you're trying to solve these different special cards and contracts and stuff so um you can get negative points that's a big part of it too based on the contracts that pop out i've had really low scores in this game so uh this is a clever one i went out and tracked down a copy it's been out of print for well i don't know if it's out of print now but it had been for a very long time when i bought mine Mm -hmm. but uh well worthy uh, of tracking down if if you're interested in a slightly more thematic spin on trick-taking.
1: Yeah, I have a copy myself, and it was back in the day where they actually had those magnetic boxes. So it, it it puts away very well, and it's got those unique size cards and great artwork. So a lot of fun.
0: All right. Uh, next up, we have Ghost. Oh. Uh, this is from Richard Garfield. I know that guy. Yeah, we talked about him and his mass media empire <laughs> of Fortnite by cards.
1: We go way back. He doesn't know. Yeah.
0: He doesn't know it, but we go way back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We do actually go way back. He doesn't. That's know right. Uh, Nineteen
1: ninety-three. <laughs> uh, so this is.
0: It's actually more of a ladder climbing game, um, which is a type of trick taking. Uh, so you have like your hand of cards. You're trying to get rid of them uh, from your hand in your mansion by playing them out, and the cards keep going up. So is Halloween themed. We've got ghosts and undead and vampires and zombies and all sorts of other spooky creatures and stuff. But also, they're all cute. So it's not it's it's very kidified It's not meant to be creepy or spooky necessarily. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, on your turn you get to do one of three things. You get to throw cards onto the cemetery equal to higher than the card that's already there, take all the cards from the cemetery to your hand, um, or draw a card from the crypt and try to play it. And if you can't, take all the cemetery cards. So you're trying to get rid of your hand, effectively, which is all about trying to manage what comes in, what goes out and what's available to place at any given time. So fairly simple in the grand scheme of like ladder climbing, reverse trick-taking type of games, but um works pretty well, especially with the theme.
1: Yeah. Now this is another fun game. Definitely. Obviously for Halloween, it's excellent and yes. really cute, engaging artwork too. So a lot of fun. Yeah. And again, magnetic box. Cause I love those things. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, all right. Next up, we have Pococo. Um, I love Pococo because it's so weird. It is weird. (laughs) Such a weird game. Uh, it's from Brain Games, which uh, you probably best know as the the publisher of Ice Cool. Um, and so they released this one, I think, the year or two after Ice Cool. Mm -hmm. And it's a trick taking game in which you can't see your own cards, so you fan them out in this little array in front of you, this little peacock, and you can play cards. From the player to your left, but not your own cards. But then everybody else is trying to manage their cards, trying to see what's going on. So it's it's got a little bit of that Hanabi element, but with trick taking mixed in, yes. and also you're kind of moving around the table a little bit. Um, it's weird, but it works. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how it works. It didn't seem like it would nope. work, but I, I remember being pleasantly surprised at how fun and silly and kind of dumb this game is at the same
1: time. And again, we talked about a lot of these games have brilliant our presentation and mechanics. This one has the best table presence. Like how yeah. smart, right? How smart. Like, of course. Peacocks. Right? Yeah. And and put and putting the cards out like that? Oh, brilliant. 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 Brilliant.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's perfect. Like thematically it works yes. perfectly. I love it. Looks
1: it. great, plays great. Weird, like you said, but uh you're in for a ride. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Alright. Uh next up we have Poison, aka Friday the Thirteenth, aka Baker's Dozen. <laughs> um, this is Reiner Knizia's classic trick-taking game from 2005. Uh, the version I have is Friday the Thirteenth, but they're all basically the same with different themes, and they're all kind of Halloweenish themed, except for Baker's Dozen. <laughs> so, in the game, you have uh hand of cards, and you're trying to play them out, and everybody mm-hmm. discards to a central pile, but the total value of the cards in that pile matters so if it gets higher than 13 uh then the players have to take the cards in the pile then only leave their card behind so everybody's playing out their cards and then you try to compare how many you have in each of the three suits um whoever has the most cards throws them away while everyone else scores one penalty point per card so you can shoot the moon pretty easily in this game especially if there's a big pile there you're like okay i'm just gonna take all that uh so that i can discard all these uh, and ultimately, you know, win. So I like this one because, you, can, again, you always have something to do. Even if you have a bad hand, you could just be like, all right, forget it. I'm going for it. <laughs> right? I'm going to get all of this suit, and I'm going to win. Um, it's a cute one. This is like the other big one, uh, along with diamonds that I discovered, where I was like, oh, maybe I don't hate this.
1: Yeah, no, this is another fun one. And we played this way back in the day when it was poison, and it was those kind of, Cauldron slash paper plate kind of situation. This is something very simple to play. I think your version is probably the best, just because of, of the sharpness and of the cards and everything as far as that's yeah. concerned. And it fits a little bit better with the theme. But yeah, a great introductory um, trick taking game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, next up we have Haggis. Oh, cool. uh, this game had been out of print for like ten years, but they did just run a Kickstarter. Uh, Portland Game Collective. Yeah like last month, and it's now coming back into print. So I feel comfortable talking about it. You can also play it on Board Game Arena. So if you're interested in playing it online, it is available there. I played this a bunch during COVID with my friends um, back in Pittsburgh while we were all stuck in our houses. So um, it's a climbing game. Uh, you have a lot of different elements. You have different card combinations you can play out to to kind of escalate. You're always trying to go higher, but you can have different combos and sets and runs to play higher. Mm-hmm. There's also bombs that you can play, which is like a certain combination of cards um, that will kind of take out whatever was out, whatever's out there and you're scoring for the cards in hand. So it's interesting and unique and takes a lot of thinking and trying to like wrap your head around what you're doing in the game. And it was always one of those really clever spins on the genre that I really appreciated. But again, it was like, I could only play it online. So I'm happy that I will now be able to get a real life physical copy of this game, even if I like the old artwork better. Mm. Um
1: yeah, haggis. Yeah, surprising. And again, we were just talking about this what, week or two back?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad I can I don't think I'd feel comfortable mentioning it if it hadn't been a Kickstarter because I'm like, you can't get this game. Don't even
1: <laughs> This is an awesome thing that you cannot have. Ha ha. No. Right. Yeah. This. this is great.
0: Yeah. And just, just for the record, it only plays two or three players. Uh, So it's not, you can't play a four player game here has very specific player counts.
1: Okay. I'm fine with that.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, next up we have four Northwood, a solo trick taking game. Um, I had to throw this in there because it is a trick taking game, but it is purely solo. There is not even a two player mode here. Um, I reviewed this a few weeks ago and it is a hand management game where you're trying to kind of match the, uh, basically what you're going up against um, in in any given scenario. There's 16 scenarios or challenges in the game, and you're trying to match them and make sure you manage the cards as they come out in the order in which you play your tricks. So You're playing against, I don't want to say AI, because it's all like in front of you, what's happening, but it's effectively a trick-taking puzzle that they've managed to create based on this um, print-and-play game, The Emissary, from uh, the designer Wilhelm II. Great, great solo game. Great great trick taking game, like if you like those two things, you should definitely check this out. It's relatively inexpensive, like twenty bucks it's available on Amazon. um recommend checking it out.
1: yeah, no, another great game, and also a lot of fun, yeah
0: um all right, next up we have Niette what
1: <laughs> well, gone so well
0: uh so designed by Stefan Dora. This is from 1997, so another, like, classic trick-taker from a well-known designer. And in this game, you have uh, this grid of options, right? So players will take turns crossing them out based on the hands cards that they have in their hand, right? So they'll get rid of certain choices for starting player or trumps or super trumps or the number of cards you have to discard, the value of the tricks on the grid. And based on, like where you end up that's the value of the particular hand that you have right so you have a say but it might not go the direction you want based on what's going on so you know what your cards are before you vote and then you just play a standard trick-taking hand um that opening round is always the most interesting and people be like you know trying to mess with each other and get them to go in a different direction it's just a fun clever layer on top of you know a already fun basic mechanic. it. This was one of those ones. Like I mentioned, not wanting to mention Haggis. If it was out of print, this was out of print. So, um I do feel bad. It's super hard to find. You can get German copies for pretty cheap, but getting an actual American, you know, the yellow English copy mm-hmm. is pretty hard to find at this point.
1: This was the polar bear on the cover, right? Yeah. yeah okay. The
0: Russian polar yes. bear. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I don't. I don't. That's certainly not coming back anytime soon. But it'd be nice if we could get like a rethemed version oh, yeah. of this. Okay. And then last but not least, um, we have what I think is probably my favorite trick-taking game, uh, Texas Showdown, also known as Seas of Strife. been re-released as that recently. And in the game, you're trying to avoid taking tricks. Like, you want to get rid of your cards, don't take any tricks. The fewer tricks you take, the better you do. Um, The cards escalate in your hand, so you have... The suits are based on the number. So, like, 1 through 9 is a suit, and 10 through 18 is a suit, and 20 through whatever is a suit, all the way up to, like, 55 um and as you play cards you're trying to make sure other people take that trick so you have to be tricky (laughs) in terms of how you get rid of your cards because you don't want to necessarily place out a really high number if nobody else has something that can beat it or if you know that they have something else they could play instead so it's if you have like one of the top four cards which is all the same suit and you're the first one to play yours then you know someone else has to play theirs because they have to follow suit, and then maybe they will win that trick. You have to think about it a lot in terms of how you're balancing that. So it's almost like the bidding type approach, but without any of the bidding, which I thought was a lot of fun. So uh, this is one of my favorites. I've held on to this one. Highly recommend it if you can find a copy, because I think both of these are out-, out of print now, but I think they'll also bring it back because it's come back a couple of times over the years. And it does play a pretty wide player range, three
1: and six. Excellent. Well, there you go, everybody. Our expansive list of holiday treats. They're trick-taking games for your holiday season. Happy Halloween, everybody. Enjoy these games. Get them to the table. Whether you're a hardcore Euro player, 18 Double X, as Anthony said, plays all those games, loves trick-taking games, and there's a great list for you to get to the table with the family, with the friends, and especially the trick-or-treaters who come to your door. Because give them games. Yeah. You got games. Come on. You got enough games. Just give some games out. Especially the trick-taking games. I think that's funny, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's just a handful of cardboard. Yeah, it's
1: like yeah. it's like Trick or Treat. And they're like, uh, trick? Like, ha <laughs> <laughs> It's like an Uno thing. Yes, yeah, so here, here's a trick-taking game, so don't mess with my house. They're like,
0: ah, ha 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 old man. give me the... <laughs> Still gonna egg your house Damn
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> well, until they egg my house, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye!